Well, good morning and welcome. I hope you're managing to tune in to uh, be with us this morning. Uh, please click subscribe uh, for this YouTube channel so that we can keep you up to date uh, as a church family. This is our first time doing this live and we've gone for simplicity uh, this morning. Uh, so often church uh, is a big operation on a Sunday morning with people opening up, uh, making coffee. We've got our welcome teams, our prayer teams, uh, our worship teams, our technical teams, uh, our children and youth ministry. And my prayer this morning is that uh, many of those who do so much to serve might just be enjoying some Sabbath rest today uh, and space away from some of those demands that are usually upon you. So it's just me and a webcam this morning and some time together with God and it's great that we can connect like this. Uh, the clocks have gone forward uh, but for many of us this morning we're able just to roll out of bed uh, perhaps grab a coffee, maybe a bacon roll, uh, pick up our Bibles uh, and do church together in our pyjamas. Uh, and so just enjoy this moment because uh, obviously once we start uh, meeting together again in person, uh, you won't be able to come in your pyjamas. So enjoy a more relaxed form of church this morning. As this lockdown continues, I just get a sense that there's a number of us uh, who are just craving some normality in life, whatever that might look like. I read this week of a man uh, who was missing his daily commute to work and also looking for a way to escape constant self-isolation uh, with his wife. And so he started going down to his garage in the morning. Uh, he didn't turn the engine on, but he sat in his car and just for half an hour in the morning, he would listen to the radio. Uh, and again in the evening uh, for half an hour, he would listen to to the radio uh, just to get some space for himself. Other stories are coming to light of those who are ahead of us perhaps in China um, who have been in isolation for around seven weeks now and they're coming out of self-isolation semi-fluent in new languages or having learned new skills through online tutorials. Uh, so this is your opportunity uh, to upskill to do those things you've always been talking about to learn something new like I'm doing this morning as I live stream to you. But it's also an opportunity for spiritual growth uh, and don't miss that time uh, just to invest in your uh, relationship with God in an enjoyable way. How often does busyness become a barrier to spiritual growth? And yet there are ways to use these coming weeks in a fruitful way. Maybe to read or reread the New Testament. To set aside kind of daily times just to pray. Uh, to meditate on God's word. Uh, to be still in God's presence as we were talking about last week. And also for some of us it should be a season for rest. Some of us need that spiritual rest. We need to be refreshed. Some of us need that physical rest and refreshment and that's okay. But it'd be wonderful if we came out of this time of isolation, not having just spent it in front of the TV or on our phones, but saying actually during this time I grew. I grew in my relationship with God. I grew in my faith. Thanks to so many of you who have been in touch by email. It's great to hear from you. Do continue 
uh, to touch base with one another in the church. It's been great to see the small groups uh, meeting online, uh, the young people meeting online. And this week we'll be launching prayer meetings online uh, on a Monday evening, uh, on a Wednesday lunchtime, uh, Friday morning, and also that late night prayer meeting on a Saturday night. Great way uh, to come together to pray for our nation, our world, and just to uphold one another at this difficult time. And so with just a, a desire for normality, uh, we're going to step back into Ephesians for a, a short reflection this morning. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to focus naturally on Easter. Uh, just an advance notice that on Easter Sunday morning, uh, we're hoping uh, just to gather online like this uh, and take communion together just to celebrate both Jesus' death and of course his resurrection. Uh, and so if you are planning your online shopping, uh, make sure for that week you pick up a loaf of bread, some juice, some wine, whatever comes to hand. Uh, and uh, it'll just be a tremendous opportunity for us in a new way uh, to put Christ at the centre that Easter weekend. Well, as we come into God's presence this morning, Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. And just as this kind of opening act of worship this morning, we don't have the praise band, but it's just an opportunity for us to pause and say, what are you grateful to God for? Don't forget all his benefits. In what ways has the Lord just blessed you this week? Uh, in what ways has the Lord upheld you thus far? What can you thank God for, uh, even in this difficult season? What can you praise him for, both those spiritual blessings, but also those physical blessings of health, friendship, food on our tables, roofs over our heads, those things that at this time and this season uh, we're no longer taking for granted. Why don't we just pray together? And why don't we thank the Lord uh, before we read God's word together. Let's pray. Yes, Father God, this morning we are choosing to bless your name. We are choosing to gather in your presence, to lift up the name of Jesus. We are choosing to say that in this difficult season of our lives, uh, with all the challenges that we are facing, that God is good all the time, that you are the one who is watching over us and you are sustaining us and you are blessing us even in this valley. And so we just want to lift high the name of Jesus. We want to pray over our nation and our world at this time. We want to pray for wisdom uh, for those in leadership. We pray that you would strengthen their hand. We want to pray for all those on the front line, Lord, that you would protect their health. We want to pray for all those this morning uh, in the name of Jesus who are feeling ill. Lord, we thank you that you are the great physician and we just pray that you would come and that you would touch them this day. For those who are feeling isolated, for feeling lonely, uh, Lord, we thank you that you are present with us this morning by your Holy Spirit. Help us to know that we are not alone. For those who are struggling with 
dark thoughts and their mental health. We pray that in the darkness of their minds that your light would just come and it would shine. And we pray that as we look at your word this morning that you would just come and that you'd speak to us and that you'd encourage our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, can I encourage you uh, just while you're there in your home, uh, wherever you're watching, just to take a moment, uh, just to go and to grab your Bible. Uh, and this morning, uh, we are going to be looking at two passages uh, together. Uh, first of all, we are going to be reading in Ephesians chapter 2. And then later on uh, this morning, uh, we are going to be looking at Acts chapter 19 together. So grab your Bibles. Um, and then I'm going to just read these verses. And then we'll just have a short reflection on them. So Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11 to the first part of verse 15. And God's word says this to us this morning. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Amen. We live in a world where we have this kind of melting pot, don't we, of different cultures, uh, different backgrounds, uh, different nationalities. And in some ways at this moment of history, more than any other, uh, we know more about one another than we ever have. On the bookshelf just across from me are several Lonely Planet travel guides that I've acquired over the years. I don't know about you, but I love to travel. And there is an awareness and an understanding of different cultures that we have now that we've never had before. We've got that freedom now to travel the world, or at least we did before all the recent restrictions. And through television and written word and through the internet, we can find out all about different places. But at the same time, at another level, there is this growing alienation in our world. This idea of a growing distance and separation from one another. As many people retreat into their cultural bubbles. Keeping one another at arm's length. And just this emphasising of our distinctions. And we see that right across the Western world. And we've seen that kind of growth and that rise of nationalism in recent years. 
And the interesting thing is that as you look at ancient Ephesus, it too was a very multicultural city. Ephesus sat on the coast. It was a popular tourist destination with a thriving economy. It was a city that was built around one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. That was the temple of Artemis or Diana as she was sometimes referred to. And people would come from all over the world to see this uh, temple and to worship there. And we know from Acts 18 and 19 that the Apostle Paul had travelled from Corinth to Ephesus. And he travels with Aquila and Priscilla and he leaves them there as a Christian presence in the city as he continues on his journey before returning to the region to minister. And again, if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Acts 19 and let's read from verse 8 to verse 20. God's word says this. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know. But who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in here in this passage we see the good news of Jesus spreading and we see that the message comes both through proclamation and power it's a reminder at this time that as we speak the life giving truth of the gospel that we have an opportunity to demonstrate it also 
But we can only do that if we stand in the name and the power of Jesus. It is only Jesus who has the power and authority. Not us in and of ourselves. But he gives us his power if we surrender to him and if we trust in him. And so the word of the Lord spreads in power through Ephesus and through the whole region. And we see these Jews and Greeks, that is Jews and Gentiles, coming to faith and becoming part of this New Testament church. Now that statement that Jews and Greeks are coming to faith and becoming part of the church, it's a radical statement. Why? Because these were two groups of people who were normally alienated from one another. We need to understand that there was a deep racial hatred between many of them. But Paul writes in verse 14 of Ephesians 2 that Jesus has made the two groups one. That is the Jews and the Gentiles and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. If you were to go to Jerusalem and to visit the temple, you would have discovered the temple courts where the Jews went to worship. And then surrounding the temple courts, uh, you would find this wall, one and a half metres thick. And it had signs all over it in Greek and Latin. And the signs said this, trespassers will be executed. This physical barrier sent a message out loud and clear for all the Gentiles to see. What was that message? The message was, you're not welcome here. This division between both groups, Jews and Gentiles, ran deep. The Gentiles were looked down upon. Look at verse 11 in Ephesians 2. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands. As far as the Jews were concerned, the Gentiles were outcasts. They even had a name for the Gentiles. They called them the uncircumcised. It was a term of mockery, uh, a term of derision. And we know from the Old Testament that the Jews were chosen by God. He chose them to be his people, not because they were the greatest, but because they were the least. And God's desire was that he would take this weak nation and through them his power would be seen. And we thought about the power of God a few weeks ago and we remarked that it is in our weakness that God's power is seen most fully. And as a sign that this nation belonged to God, all the men were circumcised. But God chose them for a reason. Israel was never chosen to receive all the blessings of God and keep it to themselves. They were chosen in order to be a channel of blessing for the other nations. God's blessing was to flow through them to the nations. They were chosen to reflect the glory of God to other nations. And through them, the whole world was to be reached. 
Now we know that in order for them to reflect the glory of God, in order to be a light and a witness to the nations and bring people to God, they were also called to be distinct, to be holy, to be set apart. You see, if you turn up and you look like everyone else, if you're indulging in all the same practices as everyone else, if your speech is no different, how is anyone going to know that you belong to God? What is it that will be different about you to attract people to him? So this wasn't about being different for the sake of being different. Uh, this was a call to holiness, a call to be a signpost to the nations of a different better way of living and so God wanted them to be a channel through whom his blessings would flow he called them to exemplify compassion for the nations around to call people back into this relationship with God but something went wrong instead of being that channel of blessing Instead of being a light and a witness to the nations, instead of having compassion on their Gentile neighbours, Israel began to look down on them. Israel began to treat their neighbours with contempt. There was this real animosity and hatred towards the Gentiles that built up from many Jews. In fact, when people travelled out with Israel into other nations, when they returned home to the border, they used to shake out the dust from their shoes before crossing the border because they didn't want to carry back into Israel anything from a Gentile country that would defile the holy land. You see the pride and the arrogance that has built up. Can you see the background here? Can you see the alienation that existed in the culture around. Not just alienation, but a deep-seated racism and prejudice and even hatred that was there among many. These were real social barriers. But Paul is going to celebrate this tremendous truth that in Jesus, in Christ, all these barriers have been broken down. Racism in the church dealt with. Prejudice in the church dealt with. Hatred in the church dealt with and replaced not just with a tolerance for one another, but actually this deep brotherly love that he has commended them for back in chapter one. And Paul's message is clear. It's in Jesus Christ that this is all possible. Jesus has made the difference. That's why the statement in Acts of Jews and Greeks coming to faith and therefore, as a result, worshipping together is so radical and so loaded. Now there's a challenge for you and I in this. Because obviously here, uh, this church in Ephesus and what is happening is to be a model for us all. There are times that we need to repent as Christians for racism. There are times we need to repent as Christians for prejudice. There are times that we need to repent as Christians for hatred among us. That might seem strong, but we know of times when churches and different cultures and societies have tolerated such things. But we need to say they have no place within the church. But there's another more subtle challenge here as well. Here are God's people. God's people who are to be a channel of blessing. 
And yet instead of being a channel of blessing, instead of having compassion for those that they're meant to be reaching, what's happened? What's happened? They've erected walls, sometimes spiritually, sometimes physically, and they've got this contempt for their neighbours. It's a challenge to our attitudes. It's a challenge to a pride that can set into the church where we actually think that we're better than others. And instead of having compassion for those that we're reaching, we have a contempt for them. It's a challenge that that Christ-like compassion is to be kept in the church. And there's this tension between being distinct and holy and set apart for God, but not isolating ourselves with our own holy language and rituals that nobody can understand. That is not being a channel of blessing. Authentic holiness should draw people to God. But a false holiness mars our witness. And so there is a danger in our world where there's this ever-widening gap between the church and the world that we retreat and build our walls and look down upon the world in contempt. And there'll be people out there, and you'll have heard it, who say, you know, we're doing this in order to protect our Christian values. But you need to know that building walls was never part of God's plan. Instead, God calls us through Jesus to destroy dividing walls, to be salt and light in the mess of the world. And that requires great wisdom and vulnerability. That's where we need the power and the wisdom and the help of God as Christians. What excites me uh, about this time we're being forced to live in is that we're being forced as a church out from behind our walls. We're being forced to be present in our communities, to worship in our communities, to be salt and light in our communities to serve in our communities. And while we are isolating behind walls in our homes, in many ways there are walls that are coming down right across society as people are being brought together to support one another. And we can be part of that as a church. It's like the picture of the yeast being worked through the dough until it impacts the whole loaf. And we think about all these churches this morning across our city and all of them are closed. But the church isn't closed for business. As a people we've been sent out from behind the church walls, being forced out into the world to become the missional force we were always meant to be. And that excites me. I think this is a time of great opportunity to connect our faith to the streets that we live on. It's about learning new ways of simply being a Christian presence where we live. It's about relationships. It's about your neighbours, about your friends, about your family. And I think it brings with it an authenticity to our Christian witness. As in a quiet way, we just seek to get alongside those in our street. To serve them. Uh, to share God's love with them. It's not about events, it's not about activities. It's about the church being church and just making God's love visible and sharing that hope that we have. Proclamation and demonstration. 
So back to our passage and the context. And the Jews looked down upon the Gentiles. They had contempt for them instead of compassion. But let's not pretend it was one-sided. And we know that from history. We know that the Gentiles hated the Jews. The Gentiles saw the Jews as people to be oppressed. Part of that came from their history of being carried off into captivity and into exile. And that legacy, that history, had remained. And we know that many nations have tried to wipe out the Jewish people and conquer them. And we know that that has been happening ever since. And we look at history and we see this continuing anti-Semitism in our world. And we think about things like the Holocaust in recent history. And our hearts break over that. Whenever we see racism as Christians, we are to speak out and we are to condemn it. And the role of the church worldwide is to be a witness to society. That those things that normally divide us in our world can be reconciled in Jesus. That those people who once stood opposed to one another now can love one another. And the church is to be a place where those from every background and every culture are welcome. And the incredible thing about that picture is that it communicates just this other incredible gospel truth. That God is for everyone. That God loves people from every tongue and tribe and nation. And in Jesus we're one family. It's a powerful truth. And it's one that we can know is true. Uh, We travel to different parts of the world. We meet brothers and sisters in Christ from different cultures who speak different languages. And we might not be able to communicate with them, but there's this deep spiritual connection between us. And yes, there are times that the church needs to repent of what we have done, rightly so. But when it works, well, that is a beautiful witness of the gospel. And so Jesus breaks down the dividing walls between Jews and Gentiles. But there's another dividing wall that he breaks down and that is between people and God. Look at verse 12. Paul writes in verse 12, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Note the language of separation here in this verse. The Gentiles felt separated from God in several ways. Verse 12 says they were separated from Christ. As far as they were concerned, while the Jews were waiting for a saviour, a messiah, a deliverer, the Gentiles didn't have that hope. And the way that the Jews spoke and acted gave a false message. That when the Messiah came, he would only be interested in them and establishing this kind of Jewish nation state. A Jewish kingdom that would overthrow the Gentile powers. That was the narrative that was going around. It misunderstood the Bible. It misunderstood that when the Messiah, Jesus, came, that he would be a saviour for all. And the Gentiles were excluded from citizenship in Israel. It tells us that in the verse. That means that they were not God's chosen people. They were not part of the Jewish people who were receiving all these blessings from God. They weren't part of 
that kingdom. We recognise that God had a special love for Israel. He was their God and they were his people. He watched over them and blessed them. And he'd given them the law and the promised land. Gentiles knew none of that. But again, what God had blessed Israel with was to be a picture of the blessing that would one day come for all. Thirdly, Paul says they were strangers to that covenant promise. God had promised to bless the Jews. He had chosen the Jews. He was going to prosper them and multiply them. He was going to save them and watch over them and redeem them. Give them a kingdom and a land. And again, the Gentiles were strangers to all of that. Not yet realising this was a promise they would one day enter into also. And fourthly, it says they were without hope. Hope comes from someone promising to do something for you and our belief that they will deliver on that, that they'll do as they say. And here are the Gentiles and they thought they had no promise from God, no guarantees, no securities, nothing. And the sum of it all is found in verse 12 at the end. Ultimately, it says they were without God in the world. We think about all those blessings which we've been thinking about over the last number of weeks in Ephesians. Paul says they had none of it. They knew nothing of God. They knew nothing of his redeeming love. They knew nothing about his covenant and about his kingdom. They were strangers to it all. Look at this final verse for this morning. Look what it says here in Ephesians. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with all its commands and regulations. Notice how the double alienation is dealt with in Jesus. Alienation with God, dealt with. Those who were far away from God have been brought near through Jesus. They have now been included in God's covenant and God's kingdom through the blood of Jesus. And that's what we celebrate as Christians. Now they can enter into all these spiritual blessings that come through Jesus that we've been thinking about in the earlier part of Ephesians. But here's this wonderful truth that that vertical reconciliation with God is also to be seen in a horizontal reconciliation. God has made these two groups one. In Christ these two groups with different traditions, different practices, different backgrounds, different nationalities. They've been brought together in Christ. As we end, Christianity is meant to be a faith that models Jesus' work on the cross in our everyday relationship with others. We as Christians are to be a force of reconciliation in the world. We are to help people reconcile in their relationship with God. For people without hope, people estranged from God, people who know nothing of his redeeming love, we are to point them to Jesus. We are to point people to the cross and we are to tell them of a God who loves them, 
who has broken down those barriers of sin through Jesus. But we're to be a force of reconciliation in the world as well. We're here to minister healing across the divides in society. To break down dividing walls. To draw people back together who have been estranged from one another. And the church should be a place where there are powerful testimonies. That even where there are the deepest chasms. The most deep rooted hatred. Broken relationships. That in Jesus they have been healed. I think this is a message that the world both needs to hear and see modelled through the church. And the thing that upsets me is when I see the church fractured both at a local level and more widely between churches and denominations. And the Lord's prayer for his church, not just Finley Church, but his church is that we might be one. And our world is in need of a powerful example of this redeemed, reconciled community of God's people. Our fractured, fragmented world needs to see unity in Christ. Not a superficial unity, but people who were once divided, who perhaps even hated one another. Truly loving one another. If we truly understand the gospel message, then love and reconciliation is not an option. It is core to us living out our faith. And at this time when communities are increasingly being brought together through acts of love, my prayer is that in the coming weeks that we as Christians might be brought together as well. That we might rediscover something of our identity in Jesus, something of our missional calling to be light in the darkness of this world. That our love might grow for one another as a church family. That we wouldn't take meeting together for granted anymore. Uh, that we would actually desire to be with one another. Uh, that competition between churches would stop. And that we'd realise that we are one. That we're all working for God's glory and God's kingdom. So let's keep loving, loving God. Loving one another. Loving our neighbours. Gosh, loving our enemies. Making God's love visible in the world. Let us pray that the church might be one in order that the world might know Jesus. What a powerful prayer that is. Just before I pray for us all, I just want uh, you to know at this challenging time that I'm praying for you. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. I hope you get some Sabbath rest. Uh, I hope and pray that God keeps you safe and well. Uh, for those of you who are unwell, I pray that you might know something of God's healing touch. I pray that all of us might know something of God's peace and presence this day. And just be reminded that we are here for you as a church family. So let me pray for you, pray a blessing over you, and then I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that the message of the cross, the message of Jesus, is that those dividing walls between ourselves and God and between one another have been broken down in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful testimony that is. What a powerful witness it is to the power of God. 
And we thank you that by the help of your Holy Spirit, that you draw us into a deeper relationship with you and into deeper relationships with one another, that you teach us through your word and by your spirit to truly love one another. And Lord, we pray that at this time, that it might be a time of spiritual growth for us as a church family in our relationship with God. That even though we're separated at this time, that as we intentionally seek to reach out to one another, that this might be a time of deepening relationships amongst ourselves as a church family. And we pray that it might be a time when we recognise afresh our identity in Jesus, that great gospel hope that we have to hold out to the world, and that as we have been scattered across the city, that in the streets and the communities in which we live, uh, that we might just be a missional force, uh, reaching out with the love of Jesus and the good news of Jesus. Lord, again, we just pray over our nation at this time. Uh, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be at work. Lord, for times that perhaps uh, we as God's people uh, have walked away from you, we ask forgiveness. For times in which our nation has walked away from you, we ask forgiveness. Uh, and Lord, we pray that you would just come and in your good time that you would restore us again as a society. And Lord, we just pray for your protective hand over each one of us. Uh, for those who are ill, again, we just pray for your healing touch. And for the rest of us, we pray that we might know something of your peace and your presence this day. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.